Hi, this is Edwin Crozier of the Franklin Church of Christ in Franklin, Tennessee. I want to welcome you and thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. This lesson was presented on February 8, 2009, and was a follow-up lesson to So You Want to Be an Elder Someday. If you haven't heard that lesson, I encourage you to download it as well. The first lesson looked at the role of the eldership and the work we need to be preparing for if we'll be shepherds one day. This lesson looks at how we as sheep in the congregation should relate to our congregational shepherds. So open your Bible, and let's get ready to learn about what sheep should be saying when they select shepherds. Last week, we looked at Psalm 23, and we talked about the role of shepherds. What kind of work those of us who aren't shepherds need to be preparing to work for. And of course, a whole lot of that dealt with what the elder's responsibility was in the congregation. While many of us are looking forward to being elders someday, the great majority of us are still sheep. And I think it'd probably be beneficial for us to balance that picture out by recognizing how we as sheep are supposed to be acting within the congregation. Just a couple of months ago, I got to sit at the feet of Bill Hall down at the Lanton Congregation's men's study that they have once a month, and he talked about the eldership, and he concluded his presentation by providing eight statements that the sheep are saying to the men that they select as shepherds. And so I want to talk about that. I want to share those statements with you and just take a look at the Scripture, what it says about our responsibility as sheep within the congregation. One of the things that I fear is that we get kind of out of balance on this whole issue. Obviously, you all know that I believe that each and every one of us is supposed to study the Scripture for ourselves. Each and every one of us is supposed to have our own faith and pursue our own righteousness. We'll not go to heaven on the faith and righteousness of our shepherds. I understand that. And I also recognize that sometimes elders are wrong and they need to be even rebuked before all. And yet I fear that at times we take that so far that we take that concept of individual responsibility and that concept of holding even the shepherds accountable to the Word of God so far that we forget that they're the shepherds and we're not. And we forget sometimes that we're the sheep who are being led. And we lose sight of the picture that God did establish regarding the leadership of the congregation. And I hope that these statements that Brother Hall shared with the congregation over in Murfreesboro, actually, as they were appointing elders, will be beneficial for us as we strive to work with our shepherds and our elders. Before we look at these statements, would you bow with me in prayer, please? Almighty God and Father in heaven, we praise your name because you are awesome and powerful. You are the great God who has created all the universe, and you are our shepherd. We pray that you would shepherd and lead us into your eternal home. Lead us in your paths of righteousness. And Father, we pray that you would strengthen us to overcome the tempter as he sets his snares in our path to try to lead us to another way. Father, we're so thankful for your shepherding and we're thankful for the shepherds that you have provided us and for the long hours and hard work that they do. And Father, we pray that you would be with them as they grow in their ability to shepherd. But Father, today, most of all, we pray that you would be with us as sheep within the congregation that we might have the proper attitudes and the proper outlook and understanding, that we might cooperate, that we might submit, that we might follow, that we might respect and honor those that you have placed in leadership over us. Father, we love you so much, and we thank you for loving us. 
Through your Son, our Chief Shepherd, we pray. Amen. The very first thing that sheep should be saying to their shepherds is, we're selecting you as our overseers, and we're willing to place ourselves under you. When Paul talked about the qualifications of elders, both in 1 Timothy 3 and in Titus 1, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, he says, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. And it goes on and lists the qualifications. And, and Titus chapter 1 uses that same term. Your translation may say bishop, but many of the translations say overseer. So overseer or bishop. The one who is watching over. It comes from the Greek word episkopos, which means overwatcher. That's what that word literally means. One who watches over. It kind of presents a word picture. In fact, it's a word picture. It made me think of something that I actually went through when I was in high school. I was in marching band. I didn't get to play football. I, I played drums. Anyway, when we were in marching band and, and we were being taught how to march or they were just watching us to make sure that we were doing it correctly, our instructor and our drum major had a tower that they would climb up in, about 10 feet off the ground so that they could be over us, looking down, watching, so that they could see the whole field and they could see what mistakes we were making or what we were doing well and so they could offer corrections so they could help us improve. That's really what that word picture is. The overseer. The one who is looking down, looking across the big picture to try to watch and correct and to help and to administer and to, to lift up and to encourage. Then that's exactly what the elders and the shepherds are within the congregation. They are the overseers. They are the ones who are watching over. Now, if that's what the elders are, if the shepherds are overwatchers, then we are the underwatched. We are the ones who are being watched. We submit ourselves to their gaze. As they watch what's going on in our lives. As they watch what's going on in the congregation. And in addition to that, we are placing ourselves under their authority. They have the authority to watch our lives, to correct, to guide, to lead. Our job is now to submit to their oversight. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, it uses the same term. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. The Scripture says, pay careful attention to yourselves. This, of course, Paul's talking to the elders at Ephesus. And he tells them to watch themselves. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. The reason the elders are watching us is to care for us. And we need to recognize that. And that's the role that God has given them. But I want you to notice, though, one very particular a particularly interesting statement in that verse. Who made them overseers? The Holy Spirit. Now, I understand that in that passage, as it talks about that, it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit gave us some particular divine revelation and said, David Coleman is an elder. But rather, that through the word of the Spirit, as they grew in that, they came to be qualified to be elders. But I want you to notice that what Paul points out is the congregation that selected the men, that declared them to be qualified, did not make them overseers. The Holy Spirit did. 
And that means something. The elders are not subject to us. Sometimes I think we have the idea that because we select and decide and go through a selection process, that somehow the elders are still in subjection to us. And that's not the case. We are the sheep. They are the shepherds. We are to be in subjection to them. The Holy Spirit made them overseers. We didn't make them overseers. If they're qualified, that's by the power of the Spirit, not by our selection. And so our job is to submit to the men that God has established as overseers in our midst and among our flock. And so we're saying to those who are our shepherds, and if we're appointing new shepherds or if you're coming into a congregation that has shepherds, this is what the sheep should say. We're selecting you as our overseers and we're willing to place ourselves under you. The second thing that we're saying is we're, we'll follow you as long as you lead where the chief shepherd leads. We're asking you to be our shepherds and we'll follow you as long as you lead where the chief shepherd leads. Phil read for us John chapter 10, verses 1 through 6, where it talked about the good shepherd. And his sheep know his voice, but not only do they know his voice, when his voice calls out, they follow that voice. Wherever the shepherd is leading, they go. That's our job. Our job as the sheep is to follow our shepherd. To hear their voice. To listen for where they're taking us and to go and follow behind them. That's our job. Now, obviously, I recognize that there are exceptions to that. We all know that 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 4 says that they're supposed to submit to the chief shepherd. And so we recognize that if they're going to lead us someplace other than where the chief shepherd leads, well, we know Acts 5.29, don't we? We must obey God rather than man. If our shepherds want to lead us in some direction that goes contrary to what God has said, then we must stand up and rebel against the shepherds. But there's a big difference between that and what commonly happens. Sadly, there are far too many sheep that instead of hearing the voice of the shepherds and following along, decide to dig their little hooves into the ground and, and buck against the authority. And sometimes they have an I'll show you attitude instead of following the voice of the shepherds. And sadly, all too often, it's not because the shepherds are leading in contrary to where God has said, but they're leading in contrary to where the sheep want to go. So often we have the idea, because we've studied on our own and we've recognized things, and we're all so wise, and, you know, we all know we're all the wisest one here, that the shepherds should really just listen to us, and if they would, everything would be right. And when they won't listen to us and won't do things exactly our way, then we're going to dig in our heels and we're going to rebel, and we're not going to follow their lead. But the sheep's job is to follow the shepherd's lead, unless it goes against where the chief shepherd leads. I'll give you an illustration. I remember one time I was having lunch with a friend of mine who is a shepherd in another congregation. Not here in Tennessee. And while we were together having lunch, he received a phone call from somebody who was talking about the Bible class program that they had. And this particular person didn't really care for the assignment that he had regarding what he was supposed to teach the junior high students. And so he had just decided, you know what, I'm just going to teach what I want. I'm going to teach something else. And I listened as this shepherd said, you know what? If you don't like the curriculum, you don't have to teach. You, you don't have to teach that. But if you're going to teach, you're going to teach what we've assigned. 
You see, here was a sheep that said, I don't like where the shepherds are leading. And so I'm going to go in a different direction. But here was a shepherd that said, oh, no, no, that's not the way it works. We're the shepherds. You follow And I know we don't like that idea today. We don't like the idea of somebody actually being an authority. But that's exactly what God has done. He has placed shepherds in authority. And we as sheep should be saying, we're going to follow unless where you're going is contrary to where the chief shepherd leads. The third thing that we're saying is we will not listen to an accusation against you unless it is based upon the testimony of two or three witnesses. We all know that 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 19 says this. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. Do not admit, do not receive, do not listen to, do not accept. Don't give ear to an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Now, this passage is written to Timothy as an evangelist. And I can tell you as an evangelist myself, I know why this passage was written. This especially happens when an evangelist moves into and starts working with a new congregation because those little pockets of sheep that, that are kind of upset at the shepherds, they like to come and, and politic a little bit and see if they can't get the evangelist to be on their side. Well, you know, this shepherd does this and that shepherd does that. And what Paul told Timothy was, do not accept an accusation. Don't admit it. Don't receive it. Don't listen to an accusation except on the basis of two or three witnesses. And so, if you've got something against one of those shepherds, if the shepherds have done something wrong, or you believe they've done something wrong, unless you have one or two other witnesses, don't come talking to me about it. And when I say witnesses, I don't mean folks who you've told about it and they agree with you. I mean folks who saw it. Folks who witnessed it. Don't come talk to me about it. Because my job is not to accept an accusation against a shepherd except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Now, while this passage is written specifically to Timothy as an evangelist, I think we can all say that that's a principle that would apply to everybody. If Timothy's not supposed to do it, who else is? Is there anybody who's supposed to accept an, exact, an accusation of a shepherd just based on one witness, on the testimony of one person? Absolutely not. Only on the testimony of two or three. However, where there are two or three witnesses that have witnessed the sin, that have witnessed wrongdoing among the shepherds, the shepherds are not above the law of God, and so it points out to us in 1 Timothy 5 and verse 20, as for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. I understand that some folks have some quandary about exactly what this verse means to me in the context. I think it's talking about if a shepherd persists in sin, if there are two or three witnesses and they've gone now and approached the shepherd and he refuses to repent, the shepherd is to be rebuked before the entire congregation so that everybody can fear, recognizing that if the shepherds are not above the law of God, I guess the sheep aren't either. So we need to remember this is the way it's supposed to work. But we're saying to our shepherds, I, I won't even listen to an accusation. It's not that I'll hear it and then decide what to do with it. I won't admit it. I won't accept it. I won't receive it. I won't listen to an accusation except on the basis of two or three witnesses. The fourth thing that we should be saying to our shepherds is that I'll cooperate with you in everything that is lawful. You can count on me to cooperate with you in anything that is lawful. Some of these kind of overlap. This ties back to following 
even if I don't like it, even if it's not exactly what I would have done, I'll cooperate with you in anything that is lawful. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, it says, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. God has given us shepherds. He's given us overseers. He's given us pastors. He's given us bishops. He's given us elders. He's given us these men to equip us for the work of ministry. He hasn't given them to us just so they can decide what kind of building to have and where the building will be. He hasn't given them to us so that they can hire the preacher. He's given them to us so that they can equip us for the work of ministry, so that they can guide us in work for the Lord. What that means is we have a responsibility. Our responsibility is, well, to work. To cooperate in the work that they are guiding us in. To say that you can use me. Where can I fit? Where can, where can I best use my talents? You just point the way. Guide me, lead me, that's what I'm going to do. And then cooperate in that. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll just share with you guys. Because I have heard from more than one elder, in more than one eldership, the same lament in numerous places. If you ever spend time with elders, and a lot of, especially if you end up going to their meetings, one of the things that you'll hear from them is, why, oh why? Why can't anyone ever come and just say, you know what, I wanted to meet with you because I wanted to know what I could do to help the congregation. Why is it that when somebody wants to meet with the elders, it's always because they're mad at us, upset at us, want to straighten us out about something, or, or they're mad at someone else, or it's always about a problem. Why can't anyone ever say, you know what, I just wanted to meet with you because I wanted to find out where I could help in the work. I'm not saying that there aren't times that we shouldn't go to the elders if we are upset about something. Obviously, we should do that. But why do so few sheep go to the shepherds and say, how can I help? We should be saying to our shepherds, I'm here to cooperate and you can count on it. Number five, we'll conduct ourselves so that you can do your work with joy and not with groaning. Hebrews chapter 13, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. We might struggle with this, but to me the picture that fits here is it's kind of like the parents. Some of us have kids that, that are a joy to be their parents. They grow, they progress, they submit, they serve. They excel. Some of us have children that we groan while we parent them. Because they continually get into sin. Because they turn away from the Lord. Because they, they won't do what God has asked. Because they're constantly rebelling against our authority. That's that same picture for us as sheep. Make it a joy for the shepherds to be your shepherd. Be the person that the shepherds can look at and say, I am so glad that one's in the flock. And we can do that by not waiting for the shepherds to have to push and challenge us to get to work or to grow. 
We can do that by, by doing some of the other things that we've talked about. By saying, I'm here to cooperate. What work can I do? We can do that by being an encouragement to the shepherds. We can make it a joy by listening when they talk to us. By heeding the instruction. By following the guidance. By doing it without complaint. Be a joy to the shepherds. The sixth thing. We'll pray for you and be understanding while you grow in your role as a shepherd. I think sometimes we live under the delusion that a person is supposed to be perfect when they're a shepherd and so that if they ever make a mistake, suddenly they become suspect about whether or not they're qualified as elders. Now, we recognize that those qualifications listed in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1 demonstrate a great amount of maturity in Christ. Just listen to what it says. In 1 Timothy 3, beginning at verse 2, it says, An overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil. We could read Titus, but it says mostly the same thing, with just very few differences. And what it presents is a picture of maturity. I understand that. But it does not present a picture of perfection. We need to know that 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-8 through 8 applies to shepherds as much as it applies to us. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5 it says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's supposed to be increasing. It doesn't say that these qualities are yours, shepherds, and increasing, sheep. It just says to everybody, if they're yours and increasing, shepherds are growing just as all of us are growing. We as sheep need to understand that. And it may even be that in some particular issue, we might even be more mature on some issue than one of the shepherds. That doesn't mean they're not qualified, and that doesn't suddenly mean we're qualified. We just need to be understanding. And part of that understanding means that we're going to pray for our shepherds. I'm not aware of a passage that specifically says that we should be praying for our shepherds, but when we consider Paul's request for prayer, for instance, like in verse 18, immediately following that statement about obeying our leaders, he says, pray for us, for we're sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. If Paul, an apostle, wanted the prayers of these Christians, how much more should these leaders who have to give an account for us have our prayers? We need to pray for them, pray to support them, pray to honor them, pray with them, pray for their growth, pray for their courage, pray for their leadership and their vision. We need to be praying for them and understanding as they grow in shepherding in the exact same way that we want them to pray for us and be understanding when we have to grow. Isn't that how we want our shepherds to treat us? If we slip and aren't perfect, don't we want understanding? That's exactly what we need to offer our shepherds. Number seven, we're saying to our shepherds, if you need to talk to me, I'll be there. I'll set up a time to get together. I don't know how many times 
that I've been in elders' meetings where they just mention someone and the elder says, well, I've tried, I've tried, they're not returning my call. I've tried, they set it up and then they cancel. Over and again. We need to be saying to our shepherds that when you want to talk with me, I am willing to talk. Because we need to understand that's just integral to their role as shepherds. If they're going to know the sheep, they've got to spend time with us. If they're going to be able to instruct and lead us, they're going to have to meet with us and talk to us. Remember in Titus chapter 1 and verse 9. In Titus chapter 1 and verse 9, it says of the shepherd that he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. If that's his job then, and we're the sheep, we've got to be willing that when they need to instruct us, that we'll be there. That's the role God has given them. They're not trying to, to overlord anything. They're just trying to do their job. And we need to agree to mean and let them talk to us, even if what they have to do is rebuke us because we're contradicting. We need to be willing to meet and talk when they want to meet and talk with us. Don't run. Don't hide. Come to the shepherds and listen. And finally, the eighth thing that we have on our list is that we're saying to the shepherds, we don't want you to domineer us, but we'll respect you and your leadership. First Peter chapter five. First Peter chapter five says about our shepherds not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So we're allowed to tell them we don't want you to be overlords. We don't want you to be tyrants. We don't want you to be despots. We don't want you to domineer over us. But your leadership and, and the position that you hold and who you are, we will respect. We will honor. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17 is it talked about, it talked about our leaders and obeying them. And then also Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 7, remember your leaders. Those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. This is respect and this is honor. Then in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor. We need to be offering honor and respect to our shepherds. That means respect in the way we speak to them. Respect in the way we speak about them. Gossip and slander shouldn't be a part of our discussion regarding shepherds because we should honor and respect them. We'll respect you and we'll respect your leadership. These are the things we as sheep should be saying. I don't know about you, but I thought Brother Hall did a pretty good job with that. I think we need to be saying these things to our shepherds. I understand that there are times for us to go to them if, if we are concerned about something they're doing. I'm not trying to remove all that. We're not, we're not turning it into a monarchy or, or a tyranny. But at the same time, we do need to remember, we're the sheep. We're not the shepherds. Our job is not to lead the shepherds. Their job is to lead us, and we need to let them do their job. How are you doing on that? I hope this lesson edified you. Most of all, I hope it glorified God. I want to thank Bill Hall for his inspiration on this lesson. Now let's remember what we learned. When we select men to be our shepherds or become members of a congregation that already has shepherds, we're saying, one, we're selecting you to be our overseers and we'll gladly submit under you. Two, 
We're selecting you to be our shepherds, and we'll follow where you lead as long as you follow the chief shepherd. Three, we'll not accept an accusation against you except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Four, you can count on us to cooperate with you in any work that is lawful. Five, we'll conduct ourselves so you can do your work with joy and not grief. Six, we'll pray for you and be understanding as you grow in your work of shepherding. Seven, if you need to talk to us, we'll make sure to meet with you. Eight, we do not want you to domineer over us, but we'll respect you and your leadership. If you have any questions about this lesson or any other spiritual needs or prayer requests, please feel free to contact us at 615-794-2359, or you may contact us through our website. That's franklinchurchofchrist.com. If you're ever in the Middle Tennessee area, we would love to meet you face-to-face. Please join us for any of our classes or assemblies. You can find directions and meeting times on our website. Again, that's at franklinchurchofchrist.com. We look forward to meeting you. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to Him. More importantly, may you richly bless God.